all the people, the leaders are saying no. And all the people are beginning to, to mumble about this. And old Caleb stands up and says, we ought to go. Take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. Pastor, I thought you just said they, they couldn't do it. Listen, Caleb was remembering what God said. community church i thank you so much for turning us on tuning us in i trust as always that the lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments i trust you had a great uh, christmas season it's good to be back with you as we enter 2021 and say so long to 2020 it's kind of good to have that in our hindsight isn't it <laughs> trust that the lord's going to do some great and powerful things in our midst in the coming days. I want to get into a brand new teaching with you tonight. It uh, continues on through the book of Jude, and I'm going to be here for quite some time, probably. This particular segment we've titled, Don't Quit, and we've subtitled it, Till You Get Her Done. Don't Quit, Till You Get Her Done. Now, let me read just a couple of excerpts for you from the message by way of introduction. Some of this didn't make the tape for some reason or another, so I'm just going to do it live and in person right now almost live and in person and here it is actually i want to read a little bit of verse 5 of jude chapter 1 to set the tone and then we'll make a couple of remarks and we'll get right on into the message jude chapter 1 verse number 5 puts it this way though you already know all this though you already know all this i want to remind you Jude says, you know some things, but I want to remind you of some things. Listen to this. He's not getting ready to deliver some deep philosophical complexity to those who are loved by and called by God. He's not getting ready to deliver something for which they were unaware or something uh, about which they were ignorant of, much rather, he's about to put into their minds again. That's what remind means, to put into the mind again. He's about to do that which they have previously been taught or experienced. In other words, he's about to put into their, their mind again what they already know. Why would he do this? Why would he do this? What is the, uh, the plan of God in this regard? The plan of God, listen, it really isn't all that complex. Its constitution is fairly simple. We have a sin problem. God has a solution. That's fairly simple. But a significant part of our church life, and those of you that are connected to the church, I want you to uh, hear and understand this. A significant part of our church life is simply putting ourselves in position putting ourselves in position to be reminded of things that we already know. Why? Seems redundant, doesn't it? Why, did we, why should we do it that way? Well, people need to be reminded about spiritual things. 
Why do we need to be reminded about spiritual things? Because most of us, and let me do that again, most of us, you may be an exception, but I doubt it. Most of us are surrounded every day with activities and attitudes that tend to draw us away from spiritual things. So it's necessary to be reminded or to have those things put in our mind over and over and over again. So that's where Jude, uh, that's kind of where he's headed, uh, what he has purposed to do. And I trust that God would speak to us through Jude in this regard. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone that's turned on this telecast by whatever means and uh, by whatever time. And I pray in the name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to our hearts. Help us to know and understand that there are some things that we need to know and understand, and we need to be reminded of them quite often. Thank you for these reminders. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. That's why we remind. That's why. We put ourselves in position like this to be reminded of these truths time and time again. So that's kind of the end of that. I told you I was going to spend a sec there. It was more like minutes. Sorry about that. So as we move along, just what is it that Jude has to remind us of? Go with me again to verse 5. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people, his people, look, let me see your eyeballs just a sec. Those of you listening by way of live stream, check it out. His people would be Israel. Israel important. Israel's very important. Israel's important. It's important that our country stands by Israel. Say amen right there. It's important. Listen, the Lord delivered his people Israel out of Egypt. You remember that story, don't you, from Vacation Bible School? And we refer to it as the Exodus. Pharaoh, he was kind of like the president of Egypt. He was a head honcho. He wanted them to stay because he would derive some tremendous financial benefit from it. But God said, who said? God said, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time for redemption. So God delivered them. God did for them what they could not do for themselves. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Jude, rather abruptly, takes them back to a time past revisiting Israel's history. But he leans into the part of the story that they no doubt would rather forget. Do you have any stories like that? How I many knows? I'm at number two on your study notes. Sometimes, everybody say sometimes. Sometimes the parts that we just soon forget are actually the parts that can serve to benefit us in the long run. Let me give you this little illustration. This time of the year, in fact, this morning in particular, it was chilly outside when I left home. It was dark, and it was chilly. And uh, these, these old bones of mine, this old thin skin of mine needed a jacket. Now, Brother Harley laughed at me, but he's probably a tougher guy than I am. 
But I put on a jacket this morning. kind of reminded me there's nothing a country boy likes any better than kind of getting up close to an old hot wood stove, a warm wood stove on a cold, blustery winter morning. Amen. One of the deer clubs I used to hunt with, they called it a club. It wasn't a club. It was a bunch of men hunting. But uh, they had a thing that we'd meet in, and it had a wood stove in it. And I tell you, when you've been out in those woods, sitting up in a tree like an idiot, I mean, up in that tree, hunting, and it get just froze, it come, gets back to that wood stove, oh, did it feel good. It would heat you right to the bone. But how many of you know in the short term, there is nothing particularly memorable about laying your hand upon that same wood stove. You would have an experience that you had probably just soon forget. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, a friend told me. <laughs> there were some, or let me say it this way, that that stinging sensation, and if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. That stinging sensation can serve you well in teaching you to keep your hands off a hot wood stove. Somebody say hallelujah right there. Doesn't take but one time. What a tremendous lesson that is. There were some less than memorable scenarios which played out after Israel's deliverance from Egypt. But those experiences would ultimately serve not only them, but future generations very well. How so? In this sense, as reminders to refrain from engaging the same sins we're going to tell you about here in just a moment and, and uh, avoiding the same consequences. Well, what happened, Pastor? Here's what happened. God miraculously and dramatically led the entire nation of Israel, hundreds and thousands of them at that time. God led them not only across the Red Sea, but through the Red Sea. How did he do that? Wind came along, blew the waters apart, and they walked across on dry land. Would you agree with me that that is a miracle of all miracles? That's the coolest thing ever. Check this out. Would you also agree with me that it took tremendous faith to walk through that sea on dry land with those walls of water on both sides? Had to be wondering, I hope he don't stop blowing. He did stop blowing, by the way. That's the end of the story. I won't go there right now. Listen to me. It would have took a lot less faith and works on behalf of the Israelites if God had just snapped his heavenly fingers and somewhere or another magically transported them from the Egyptian side of the sea over to the Canaan side of the sea. But that's not the way he did it. I'm headed to number three on your study notes. Have you noticed? Have you noticed God doesn't always require that which is the easiest and the least resistant for his people? Typically, he requires us to have some skin in the game. You know what I'm talking about? 
Now, obviously, God, our maker, and I believe that God did make us. In the beginning was God, and God created. He created Adam, created Eve, and voila, here we are. God, our maker, understands this. This is a quote from someone I read this week. Your level of sacrifice determines your level of success. In other words, and I'm kind of quoting me here, that which costs you nothing, you spell that N-U-T-T-I in apostrophe, that which costs you nothing has very little value. Isn't that true? Let me show you. God thought so because he inspired Solomon to write this in uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. I've chosen the New, New Living Translation here. Listen to this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Hmm. So, what followed the deliverance through the sea? What transpired after the miracle? After the miracle, there's a good sermon in there somewhere. We'll preach that to you one of these days. Well, here's what happened in this particular occasion. Sometime later, when the Israelites were in Kadesh Barnea, God purposed for his delivered people, his redeemed people, to move on into, to conquer and possess the land of Canaan that he said he was going to give them. It's like now's the time. Now at God's behest, a delegation of explorers was selected, leaders from among the people of Israel these explorers were selected and dispatched to go discover this new land. Now, I want you to remember, and this is important, God had already given them the land. He had already given it to them. The explorers were just going out to check it out and bring back a list of details before uh, their peeps actually possessed this new inheritance. Number four with me on your study notes. It's important to know. I'm repeating myself on purpose. It's important to know. God said go. What did God say? God said go and take possession of the land. And the people said, oh, no. No. There's giants over there. You faced any giants this week? This would be a good time for you to poke your neighbor and ask them if they faced any giants this week. For those of you from Saxby Hall, you may not know what I'm talking about. We'd call them giants. If you faced any giants this week, J-I-N-T-S, giants. Any giants? These people said, there's, these leaders said, there's some giants over there. We can't handle giants. We could be killed. You know what? From all outward appearances, what kind of appearances? All outward appearances, they were right. They could not handle the giants in their own power, their own strength with their own resources. They could have got squashed like a bug. But I'm taking you to Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. There's a character there. We have one of these characters at New Life. May have some more that I don't know about yet, but it tells us about Caleb. Caleb. 
I raised a Caleb. I like this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, now keep in mind these explorers are going over their list. They're telling what they saw and they get to the giants and Caleb says, excuse me, excuse me, quiet. And he says before Moses, or he quiets the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. All the people, the leaders are saying no. And all the people are beginning to, to mumble about this. And old Caleb stands up and says, we ought to go take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. Pastor, I thought you just said they, they couldn't do it. Listen, Caleb was remembering what God said. He was remembering what God said. We can do this, and it's important for me to point that out to you. But look at verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. You know what they were focusing on? They were focusing on what they saw with their physical eyes. Is anybody mopping up what I'm spilling this morning? Look at verse 32. And they, that's these bunch of negative naysayers, not Caleb, not Joshua, but the other explorers. They spread among the Israelites a bad report. Let me see your eyeballs. You better be careful about spreading bad reports among the people of God. It's not a good thing. Listen. You can spread a, a bad report among God's people places other than within the safety of this place. You can do that over the dinner table. You know, you're very fortunate here at New Life to have a great pastor like me, so I know you don't eat me for lunch. But that's not the case everywhere. <laughs> he said, as a death-like silence fell among the congregation. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Listen, that's what Jude wanted them to remember. That's what Jude wanted them to remember. They would not believe that God could or would deliver the land to them as he said he would. Now, needless to say, that report did not go over so well with God. Say amen if you know that God isn't afraid of giants. Amen. Whether it was their giants or your giants or the giants you haven't met yet, God ain't scared. You know, if I was playing football and you give me a pitiful little clap like that, I'd go to the sidelines and I'd take my helmet off. If you're going to clap, clap. Thank you. Give him praise and glory. God's not afraid of those giants. And, and by the way, the report of giants didn't catch God by surprise. He didn't look over at the Holy Spirit and say, giants. I didn't know there were any giants over there. What are they talking about? He's the one that made those giants. 
Real quick, one of the lessons that we learn from this little account, and this is totally out left field, one of the, the lessons we learn from this Bible account is that deeply ingrained traditions, listen to me folks, even if they are oppressive in nature, they're very difficult for mere humans to escape. Some people call them generational curses. I'm cautious about that. But sometimes our past can haunt us, can't it? And even when God sets us free from that, we still have a difficult time. Even when our carcass, if you please, is set free, often our minds and our memories remain enslaved by or with the familiar. Now, meanwhile, back at the message, I won't charge you any extra for that little side road. Jude 1 and 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but, everybody say but, later. Hmm. But later destroyed those who did not believe. It's pretty obvious the unbelief spoken of by Jude is in reference to these negative naysayers that are highlighted in Numbers chapter 13. I believe that. What happened to these negative naysayers? Do you believe that these goomers actually got together and had this whiny little pity party and they purposed a plan not only to fail to move ahead with God's plan but moreover to completely defy God's plan by returning to the very place from where God had miraculously delivered them. Number five on your study notes. They went so far as to propose choosing a leader that would rally the people for the return trip. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 14. In other words, beloved, they were trying to find a preach, excuse me, a leader, a leader that would tell them what they wanted to hear. Not thus saith the Lord. How'd that turn out? Not too good. Numbers 14, 12, Numbers 14, 22. Those addresses appear on your study notes, but I'm encouraging you to go to verse 23 with me. It's going to appear on the screen. Listen, here's how it turned out. Not one of them. How many of them? Not nary a one. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath. But you promised it was on oath. It was a covenant. How many of you know there are two sides to a covenant? I'm pausing for emphasis. I will do for you if you do this. How many of you know if you don't do this, you've broken the covenant. The covenant no longer applies. I'm afraid to amen that he might be right. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt. Well, we're going to wrap it up right there. We'll try to continue the back half of this teaching on our next segment, but we're going to wrap it up right there. And I want to read something for you that reiterates 
uh, what I said just moments ago in the message, and it's simply this. And listen carefully because I want to make application to this for not only myself, but for you as well. And here it is. One of the lessons we learn from this Bible account from Jude is that deeply ingrained traditions, deeply ingrained traditions are difficult for mere humans to escape. Now, I may be speaking to someone right now. There's some deep, deep, deeply ingrained tradition, whether it's something religious, something spiritual, or otherwise, but it's something deeply ingrained in you. You need to break free from it because it's standing between you and God. It's impeding your growth and your pro progress in the things of God. How do you do that? You do that in the power of the Spirit. You can't do that in your own might. And that's what Jude is trying to help us. Jude, among other uh, Bible teachers, trying to help us understand that it's in the power of the Spirit that these things are accomplished. Now listen, I may also be speaking to someone right now. You have never established a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Pastor Terry, how do I do that? You do that by confessing your sins, admitting your sinfulness, repenting of your sins, opening up your heart's door, and inviting Christ to come in to forgive you of your sins, to wash those sins away, and to sit on the throne of your heart, as it were. You believe that He's doing that. It's just that simple. Those are the mechanics. And I'm going to pray right now and encourage you to pray with me to that extent. Again, if you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, pray this with me. Father, I thank you and I praise you for bringing me to this point. Lord, I thank you personally for bringing me into the hearts, the homes, uh, the places of those who may be listening right now. I pray for that one that has not been born anew of the Spirit, hasn't been saved, hasn't established a relationship with you. I trust as they pray right now this prayer of confession, which sounds like this, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I admit that I am a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry enough to turn away from my sinful lifestyle. I turn from that sinful lifestyle. Lord, I open up my heart's door right now, and I invite you to come in and to bring your forgiveness, to wash away my sin, to cleanse me, to take your rightful place on the throne of my heart. You take charge of my life. I believe that you're doing what you said you would do, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, if you prayed that simple prayer with me, that would make you a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you prayed that prayer with me, I would love to hear from you. There's some contact information. Actually, our web address is there on the screen and on the website. You can find some contact information. Uh, we would love to hear from you to help you as you've established this walk and this journey with the Lord and established this relationship with God. We'd love to help you to know how uh, to further navigate that and to progress and to mature in that walk with Christ. That is my prayer for you. Hey, I'm going to have to get out of here. I hate to be so hurried sometimes. We have limited time. But uh, it's been good to be with you. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And uh, remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you? Mm -hmm.